Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody. I am excited to introduce you, Nick and Josh. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks, thanks. David. Great meeting you, man. Yeah. And so... Uh, are you guys brothers or are you partners or what's the deal here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, well, I mean, it depends on the definition of brother, right? But uh, we, yeah. we, we aren't related by blood, but at this point, uh, you know, owning a business together and, uh, you know, meeting each other about eight years ago, it's, it, it's, it gets pretty close to it at points. Nice. That's awesome. Cool. So yeah, just tell us uh, where you guys are located and a little bit about yourselves. Sure. So, uh, Troxel Fitch is located, uh, and basically in Larimer Square in the Pulse Alley building. Uh, we work downtown and serve basically the downtown Denver area as well as Colorado as a whole. Um, and what we are is essentially a business transactional firm that helps individuals start companies, uh, raise capital from investors, buy and sell businesses, get their contracts in order, kind of everything that comes down to the deal making and transactional component of running a business or, or, you know, starting a, a high growth, you know, type startup model. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, what made you guys decide? Well, first of all, how'd you meet? Yeah, absolutely. So, we actually met initially at admit, Admitted Students Day. Um, so, be, when we were both looking at law schools to go to, um, we met at Admitted Students Day. Both of us actually came and visited CU. Um, we weren't we weren't sure that CU was where we wanted to go to law school, um, but we came and checked it out. Kind of both of us as a, hey, you got to sort out your options before you make a decision. It wasn't, you know, I actually I wanted to move to LA. Uh, Josh was looking at moving to North Carolina, um, but we both kind of were came out here. We met at Admitted Students Day. They sat us at the same table, um, and at the time, we actually we we didn't hit it off too much because i think we're just so similar in some ways that we were both like oh, well who's this guy um <laughs> and so then we both actually it, it decided to go to cu and it like i said it wasn't either of our first choices initially but we both fell in love with it at that admitted students day uh, and then we reconnected the first day of orientation um they have this big uh, lecture about you know basically the things to be afraid of, you know, so many lawyers are depressed and addicted to drugs and alcohol. And we kind of came out of that and both of us are very optimistic. And so we're like, oh man, that was, you know, that, that was a bummer first day, you know, let's go hang <laughs> out and do something fun. Um, nice. So then we kind of just hit it off from there. Okay, cool. And then um, I'm assuming this kind of just your friendship grew and then this idea to, to start this thing evolved while you're at school or, or maybe not. Tell me about that. So I think for a lot of it, you know, you kind of law school does a great job of kind of making you aware of the different paths and tracks there are through law school. And like one of them is kind of the big firm life that comes with, you know, obviously all the prestige of that lifestyle, but kind of the lifestyle itself as well, which can be very difficult for people to manage with the workloads, uh, the intensity and the pressure that you're under. But it seems kind of like that's one track. And once you're on it, you're on it. Um, and then the other is more of a, at least for lawyers with our skill set, pursuing our type of law 
is a more in-house role where you go work with a larger corporation in their in-house legal department, and it becomes kind of more a settled and stable corporate job. And I think both of us through law school realized that you know there was potentially a way to do both without having to get locked into the track of that big firm life with all the kind of the toll that it takes on your your happiness and and kind of your just overall health in your life. Um, but it's not one that is necessarily well discussed in law school. Mm. So I think it was basically kind of like um, an understanding of the kind of mechanics that are going on behind the scenes that create that structure. And a thought that, you know, Nick and I potentially had a, a skill set that didn't require those tracks or, or could basically find our own way in the middle. Um, and as we got closer to graduation, closer to the end of law school, I think we were both more curious to try to find a way to practice law and live our lives that allowed us to have that work-life balance and that fulfillment that I think everyone looks for without having to kind of provide our pound of flesh in five years at a time um, in order to get kind of the, the blessing to go do so by, you know, the common wisdom or, you know, uh, prevailing thought on starting your own firm. Um, and then we kind of just melded minds at the end a bit and realized, you know, like we see a different opportunity here to serve businesses that are getting started and don't necessarily want to go spend $10,000 for just one contract from, you know, some of the largest firms in the world, but they need, you know, they need that legal, that legal representation to get to where they're going. Um, mm -hmm. And that we could basically serve that niche with kind of the fact that we were younger, the fact that we were, you know, more recent attorneys and could provide more affordable rates, uh, more responsive, uh, you know, more responsive service because we didn't have such a monstrous client list and things like that. Um, so, yeah, Nick, add anything that I might have left off, but I think it was kind of just realizing that we there was a unique kind of uh, entry point we had into the market that we wanted to serve. Very cool. Yeah, I feel like the it's cool to have that awareness right up front of like, okay, I want to create my life very intentionally. And, you know, cause, cause a lot of, like you mentioned, you know, the lawyer track can be very tough on the personal life. And so to have that uh, awareness and then just like, Hey, we're going to, let's go create this. I think it's such a cool uh, place to come from. Um, yeah. I think, I think just one thing to add, I mean, I think kind of from a very short perspective, we both recognize that making money in the law is, uh, almost an inevitability, something that if you're just willing to put your head down and, and work, that will come. But it seemed that happiness was a rare commodity. It seemed like you, a lot of the lawyers you meet are pretty unhappy and unfulfilled, unfulfilled in terms of their personal life. And so I think we just knew from the beginning that that wasn't what we wanted. We wanted you know, a life that was fulfilling and successful. And so we, we kind of thought that the best route from the beginning was just, hey, you know, we have to be the captain of our own ship so that we can build build our vision instead of trying to fit into someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so for you guys, do you think that, um, cause, cause I'm curious, some people, they don't see that track and they don't come from an entrepreneurial background. Like your parents weren't entrepreneurs that, you know, um, follow the more traditional path. So what was your guys's, uh, background in that aspect? And was it always that always a possibility or is this something that just came out of, uh, through college? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that for me, so, um, so I think I told you right before the show, David, but I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska, originally, uh, my mom, she started a student run advertising agency at the University of Nebraska. She was an advertising professor there. So it was a student advertising agency. And so that was kind of the first time of me seeing, um, 
how something like that happened. That was, uh, you know, while I was still in, in undergrad myself, it was actually at the kind of my senior year of high school. Anyways, that started getting me interested. Um, but I always knew that I eventually wanted to be a business owner. I took part in a couple of business pitch competitions in undergrad. Um, and it just got that spark. And throughout law school, I somewhat let myself uh, think that, hey, I would satisfy that itch by working for a law firm, by kind of working with entrepreneurs in a legal capacity. And then the, the vision just continued to kind of form itself when I realized, hey, I can start a law firm, work with passionate entrepreneurs, kind of scratch that itch of business ownership and being around, I mean, not just one idea, but constant ideas, constant passion for, for achieving those goals. And so that was where uh, that combined with wanting to kind of that realization of, of being the captain of my own ship was what uh, led me to this. But um, kind of on that front, you know, quick story, I, I had convinced myself that I was going to go work for a big law firm. And so I actually interviewed with my my first choice law firm the day after graduation. I thought it was going to be a shoe in to get there. Um, and, you know, I, what I started to realize is that, like I said earlier, a lot of the lawyers who worked there and these other firms were, were unhappy. And I knew that that was, wasn't what I wanted. And so for me, I knew that I always, you know, wanted to have hobbies, life outside of work, a family, be able to kind of do those things that make you feel fulfilled. And so that's when I, you know, Josh had decided earlier that, that he wanted to, to go that route. Um, and so he was kind of wearing me down over time. Hey, we should do this. We should do this together. He gave, he's first, he said, Hey, you can have your last name first. Um, that was the <laughs> <laughs> uh, token that he, he, yeah. he used to negotiate with me. Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of, it, it took some time, but it, it was really just about chasing that, that, that fire inside of you, right? Once you kind of feel that feeling of, Hey, this is what it could be. If I'm the one who's, who's guiding things, it's hard to go away from that, right? It's hard to envision life a different way. Yeah. Love it. And how about for you, Josh? Yeah. So I had, um, I had always kind of wanted to, to be entrepreneurial and kind of be the captain of the ship um, to create kind of the life, the, just the work-life balance that, that you want to have the autonomy and kind of the ownership of you can win on your own wins or lose on your own lose losses, but it's your decisions. And I feel like, you know, having grown up, always played sports and things like that is both that kind of competitive drive that I wanted to satisfy that I feel like you can only do uh, in kind of an entrepreneurial way, as well as that ability to kind of control your destiny and have the work-life balance that you want. And having grown up in sports, I always kind of thought, you know, the best players in any sport are also masters of the rules. Um, and I thought, you know, in order, while I didn't really know exactly what kind of business I wanted to start or how I was going to be entrepreneurial coming out of undergrad, I thought, you know, I can go to law school and I can learn the rules on how to, how to do this. And then maybe I'll figure out how to start my own business. And as you go through law school, it, it kind of, it, it's such a full-time job to figure out how to get through law school and how to learn everything you need to learn. The idea of starting a business, which is also a full-time job, if not more, at the same time is, is just you know almost too much to handle. Um, but I continue to kind of look for ways to potentially chase those entrepreneurial dreams and kind of find that kind of place in the world. And <clears throat> chose to basically take all the classes that you would um, that would teach you how businesses run, uh, you know, how to protect a business, how to excel in a business and grow it through, you know, raising capital, whatever that might be. Um, and then kind of lied and wait for maybe that opportunity to come and uh, continuing through law school kind of realized that, you know, the law is to its benefit, a, um, a profession where you create new knowledge by basically standing at the tip of the, the knowledge we have and then learning more. Uh, we refer to it as standing on the shoulders of giants in the law. That's, you know, we value precedent so much. 
And that applies wonderful to the, you know, the actual body of law and the kind of that intellectual topic. But as running a business in the law, as that doesn't really drive innovation. You know, doing what has been done before doesn't necessarily drive innovation. And I think we looked at things that, you know, the new tech tools that are out, the ease of communication, whether that be through Zoom or email, um, the ease of legal research and things like that. Whereas previously would have required a legal library worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now there's certain tech tools you can get. And they kind of seem to be like low hanging fruits. So mm. theoretically, the idea of starting a law firm was something that was becoming interesting to me. And then unfortunately, um, about two weeks before uh, law school graduation, uh, I lost my brother. Mm. And that was one of those moments that really kind of drives home how short life is and how, how important it is to live the life that you want and not just allow yourself to be kind of pushed into a life that will be easy or that will kind of work and, and not step on anyone's toes. So it was basically kind of that event that basically made me decide, okay, theoretically, I believe that this is possible. Now, emotionally, and in terms of personal motivation, I'm determined to make this happen. So like, let's try something new. Why not? And that's kind of, I think Nick was having similar thoughts about, you know, not just, am I going to be able to success, build a successful life from a financial perspective, but am I building the life that I actually want to live that includes professional and financial success, but also includes, like we were saying, that autonomy, um, that ability to scratch the itches, whether that's a competitive driver, whatever. And I think we both kind of, you know, synced minds at that point and realized like, this is not just about, you know, doing good work and creating a good living. This is about kind of proving to ourselves that a certain lifestyle that we want to live is still attainable. Uh, and that you kind of don't have to be locked into the tracks that are presented to you. Mm, love it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Josh, man. It's always so interesting to, to hear, you know, where, where the spark is or where that idea comes from. And <clears throat> so oftentimes I've seen this many times with people too, is that like when death shows up, that's like the moment where you, like you make different decisions based upon that because you don't want to waste it. Right. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, you kind of, you kind of get that visceral feeling of, as you think about making a choice, it's like, oh, you know, I'll do this for five years and then I'll get to be happy or then I'll get to do what I actually want to do. The whole and then part becomes mm -hmm. so heavy that you think, I don't know if I'll ever get to and then. So I have to do it right now. Yeah, totally. I teach what I teach my clients is it's you can create for fulfillment, which is that and then or you can create from fulfillment. And so, yeah, because that and, and then is never, ever ending. The bar just keeps getting moved further and further out. And I think but, that's something that a lot of people have experienced with over the last couple of years as well. I mean, you know, we, we, it, it was interesting for us because we, you know, the, the business was successful pre pandemic, but we actually took a, a major step forward, kind of hit that proverbial tipping point during the pandemic. And so it was, it was interesting, right? Because mm -hmm. admittedly we were, it, it's hard to focus on anything other than, growth when you're when you're first building a business right because right. getting to at least a point where you're making consistent money where you're starting to see that consistent success it's hard to focus as much on other things and so it's interesting when the pandemic hit you know we started to really have that financial success but we were unable because of things not being open to really do the things that we loved as much right you know we couldn't take go travel and things like that because people just weren't right you didn't have mm -hmm. those same opportunities to do things and so it's been uh you know it's been really cool for us over the last couple of months as things have been really opening back up to to lean back into you know that that side of the business and that side of the life because 
I think it comes in ups and downs, right? It's like, you know, sometimes you focus more on the financial until you start feeling, hey, I'm getting burned out. And then you're focusing on the personal and then you're like, hey, we got to ramp back up the, the business success. And so it's good. It's I think it's good to be aware of it and find that balance. Um, yeah, the ne- the never ending moving. It's always going to be moving, right? It's never like arriving. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Okay, so uh, you guys are a team. How long have you been in business now? We're coming up off, it'll be five years this November. Five years. Okay, awesome. So I'm assuming there have been some bumps along the road. Um, so what is something that maybe stands out and then like the the lesson that you, you gleaned from that? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I, I, go ahead. I think... Um, so, I mean, it's, it's always going to be tough whenever you open a business with one of your best friends, you know, because there's, there's the ability to make decisions in the business context that are, you know, strictly, um, you know, professionally and financially motivated, just your pure business decision. Then there's decisions that have no, no financial motivation whatsoever. They're just friend decisions. And then there's kind of that area in the middle where your friendship impacts the business decision you might make and the business decision impacts the friendship decision that you might make. And I just remember times, you know, there was starting out, both of us starting from, you know, going directly into the firm from law school that, you know, I can think of think times where there's, you know, personal things with family or breakups that someone is just kind of being distracted from the pull that you need or the, the kind of singular focus that you need to be able to get a business off the ground and maintain it and begin to, to build it in a way while you're still doing it. Because, I mean, in the practice of law and, and building a law firm, you are both the main producer and that you have to do all the legal work you get. You have to go get it, and then you have to build a law firm around it that can continue to service it. And it's very easy to get caught into those traps of, you know, either just being an attorney and doing the work, or or any of those buckets. Um, and I think there's just been times where, thankfully, you know, we have been able to overcome those obstacles, um, you know, through a a similarity of vision, where you recognize that the goal is not just to run a successful law firm. The goal is not just to continue to be friends. The goal is to do both at the same time, and basically recognize that little things that you might otherwise kind of have a gripe with or that might otherwise um, you know be something that would be displeasing or whatever you kind of realize like there's a bigger mission here like let's not get bogged down in the smaller things because in order to achieve the greater mission which we both have to view similarly um, each you know you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to pull a little more weight than your own sometimes or you're sometimes you have to take one on the chin and as, as long as you have, I think that mutual respect and it goes back and forth or, you know, it just whoever, whoever needs to steps up in the moment because they know it's not about whose turn is it. It's just about someone needs to step up in the moment. I think that's super important. And I think that all comes down to kind of similarity of vision and recognizing that, you know, the, the achievement of the total vision is more important than any kind of individual speed bump. Yeah. And, and did you guys, uh, did you have conversations about that? Did you talk, talk about that explicitly? And, and also, uh, what have you found in communication with each other to be most useful so that you guys feel like you're really like we're a team, we're doing this together? Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that helps us is we're both very direct communicators and we're also mm. both, uh, it, we don't get our feelings hurt easy. And I think that is something that is vital in uh, business period, but is also especially important in, in kind of business co-ownership is just, you have to be able to address, you know, Hey, if, if X, Y, Z was the objective and, you know, something happened that prevented that, you know, saying, Hey, look, this was the objective. This, we didn't need that objective. Why, how do we address that? Right. And not always viewing it, you know, 
if you take things like that personally, as like an attack on you, then it doesn't work, right? Because there are just, you know, there are times in business, you have to find your your skills and how you most benefit the business. And it's not always the same things, right? And so figuring out objective metrics so that it's not about, hey, X, Y, and Z, it's, hey, look, here's what we said our goals were, are we reaching them? Or the, here's what we said our roles were, are we reaching them? Just being able to be very direct and, and have those kind of conversations. And they're not easy to have, right? But if you don't have those conversations, even if, you know, even if everybody can have those conversations, you have to still, you know, have them, have them in a way where, where you're communicating directly, but it doesn't become about, hey, you know, it, it can be, it has to be objectively based is what I would say, in my opinion, being too subjective makes it, um, too emotionally fueled of a conversation. And that's where I think a lot of businesses spin out of control because unfortunately, I mean, it is tough to do. Uh, we, we work with people all the time who start businesses with their friends or things like that. And, and, you know, we see the front end of it and we also see the back end of it where people are, um, you know, going through a business divorce and it's not, it's not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important when you have, particularly when you have two people like Nick and I who are, are hard-headed individuals, is that you know the dynamic has to be that you answer to yourself with the other to hold you accountability or accountable it's you know it's not like either of us are, are managing each other and answer to each other it's you know we agree on what are reasonable performance standards that we are going to set to ourselves you know affirm that yeah i'm taking i'm taking ownership of these goals and objectives because you know they make sense and then if anyone falls short the other kills them accountable but i think you have to have that first sense of ownership and accountability to yourself of thinking like you know it's it's not the Nick set these goals and I'm going to gripe about, you know, they're unrealistic or, or they're missing the markets. No, these are the goals that I made. So the only person that I would have to be upset about if I'm not reaching these goals is myself or, or, you know, um, something that better be legitimate if it's going to be like kind of an, ex, an ex, um, extraneous circumstance. But um, I think that's an important part is making sure that you have ownership and accountability towards your own goals so that it doesn't have to be like, hey, I feel like you're not pulling your weight. It's, it's, no, it's very cut and dry. This box was checked or it was not. Yeah, I think, you know, I think kind of tying it somewhat into what we do, it's really important to put that stuff in writing. If you just have these conversations at the beginning of starting a business, but, you know, clearly outlined roles and responsibilities uh, aren't in writing and the procedures kind of for more nuts and bolts aren't there about what happens if there are disagreements, ultimately who calls certain shots, things like that. I mean, I think it's an important piece of what we do is helping people have those tough conversations at the outset and say, hey, let's put together legal documents that say, you know, who has this decision-making authority? How are you guys splitting up money? How are you guys, you know, what happens in a circumstance where, you know, if somebody gets divorced and their shares passed in their ex or they die, you know, having those tough conversations where at the beginning, everybody, you know, is in agreement and people think, hey, maybe this isn't that important. But what we always say is, you know, having these conversations while things are good is, is why it's important, because as soon as money gets involved or, or disagreements, um, you know, that's when it, that's the worst time to try to have these conversations, right? Having those conversations up front, sorting things out is, is how you can make sure your business doesn't get derailed uh, from, from something minor. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. A couple of things you said there, having agreements up front and then having it just be data-based versus feeling-based, you know, cause like you even said, Josh, oh, I feel like it's this, you know, I think so many times that's where we get in trouble was we're just feeling about things instead of actually like looking at the data and just talking about it. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, can avoid a lot of conflicts that way. Um, Absolutely. But uh, so you guys, I'm sure work with a ton of different types of businesses and business owners. Um, what is like one of your favorite aspects of the work that you do? And maybe like a cool story that goes along with that. So um, basically what I guess one of my favorite things about kind of what we do is the ability to, to make not just a, a intense impact on a person's business, but also on their, their lives through that business. I think a lot of times as a, an attorney who helps people start businesses, you do it quite frequently. Um, but for a person who's in the driver's seat, who is starting their business, oftentimes they are someone who's been in an, an employment role that's left them unsatisfied. Um, they have basically a belief in the fact that they can do X, Y, and Z better than someone else. But that's a, a, up to that point, typically an unvalidated belief um, that has a big impact on that person's self-conception, their self-esteem, um, and how they view themselves in the world. And when you can help someone who comes into your office with a with a plan and a belief in themselves, but generally kind of an uncertain um, an uncertain probability of success, and you can help them go from employee to CEO and owner, uh, and you can help them go from someone who thinks they can do it better than you know the than the competition to someone who has proven that they can do it better than the competition, someone who in doing so has changed their basically financial outlook from a fixed income or kind of a salary with bonus, whatever that might be, into essentially an unlimited earning potential in being the owner of a company. Not only are you changing their their financial life and their professional life, you're changing their entire kind of self-conception of themselves in a way that when it succeeds is so uh, invigorating to a person and so kind of self-actualizing to that person that to get to watch a person change from kind of somewhat doubtful and nervous employee to now, you know, successful and extremely validated business owner, um, who's also doing significantly better financially in doing so. It's, it just feels great to, to know that you are kind of one of the catalysts, one of the catalysts to a very positive change in their life. And I think that's something that, you know, makes it, it very fulfilling beyond just kind of the, the fact that, you know, owning your own business and, and having kind of reached the fulfillment of our dreams is obviously very satisfying. But getting to fuel that by helping other people realize their dreams is just a fantastic type of system. Mm, I love it. Nick, did you have some to add? Yeah, I mean, I would just say kind of kind of similarly, I think that the biggest thing that we do and that makes me passionate is, is just being around the, the passion of others, right? Somebody having an idea, somebody have a, having a dream, somebody having a vision, wanting to build a better lives for themselves or pursuing that passion, that that fire inside, right? I mean, I think that once you tasted that, 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 lifestyle where you're having a a vision or a goal and you're just working hard to achieve that you resonate with that so much and being able to help people from the perspective of you know offering business guidance but as well as protecting that making sure that they're having things set up to where they're not you know they're, they're limiting their risk right all business ownership is risky but ultimately what we do is help people mitigate that risk as much as possible so they can go out and take these risks and to, you know pursue these goals that may be for some people very risky for some people less risky but there's always risk right and helping people make sure hey you, you can take these risks and you can chase these dreams but you know maybe you're 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 
personal residence, right? It's protected. You're not putting it all on the line, right? Your kid's college fund. You're being able to chase these dreams without, um, you know, kind of being foolish about it. And so it's that, 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 that help to these passionate entrepreneurs where people come in and they're so fired up and they have this vision. That's what gets me going and knowing, Hey, I'm helping these people sleep easier at night, knowing that they have this peace of mind that, that they're not putting, unnecessary things at risk in this. And so I think that's the coolest thing for me. Nice. I love it. Okay. So at the beginning, we were talking, you know, about the difference between going to work for somebody and then owning your own business and how that provides uh, the autonomy to have a more fulfilling life. So for you guys, what have you found um, has worked really well for you in, in creating that personal life that uh, complements the business that you're running really well? Yeah. So one thing that we do, um, so that we live in Denver. Um, and so it's big snowboarding's big out here, snowboarding skiing. So what we do is, uh, during the winter, we actually, a lot of the times just work every weekend and then we'll track the snowstorms as they come in and we'll take off weekdays to go up and hit it because nice. for us, we look at it like, Hey, you know, we are still getting the hours and we're still able to help people. We'll be in on Saturday, Sunday, but the, you know, just kind of objectively speaking, the time is so important. And when you go up on the weekends here, I mean, you might spend four hours in traffic, right? And, and, and when you go up during the week, there's nobody on the road, there's nobody on the mountain. So it's just a lot more fulfilling. So that's one of the things that we really pushed for again this year, because with, with COVID and the pandemic and everything, it it, it, it kind of shifted. You, you got it. You could get into a bad habit of working all the time because that was mm-hmm. something that you could really have achievement in still. Um, and so this year, just refocusing on that, you know, tracking the storms, we had some really good days. And I think that helps both with maintaining our own, you know, mental health, just keeping us because those are the days, right? When you have a really good day like that, that you could only do because of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that can be the biggest motivation to get back to work and continue enjoying what you do because, you know, the long days aren't always enjoyable objectively right? But they're enjoyable because you know that you're making the sacrifices to have days like that, right? To have those powder days with the open mountain. Um, You know, great for team building. We go up, we don't, you know, we don't, we aren't hanging out as business partners. We're hanging out as friends. Um, So that's one thing, you know, just kind of building those things into life, right? Taking business meetings, playing golf, or, you know, just trying to do things where you integrate what makes you personally happy with your business so that you're always achieving your, your business objectives, but that you're also making a point of, of having self kind of personal fulfillment so that you're staying sharp and, and, and staying happy. Yeah. Awesome. I think um, we did that this year too. We went, well, I went up with my kids and my wife for the first time ever had season passes and we went up every Friday because, uh, because we could. And like got the kids, you know, riding blue runs by the end of the year. And it was just oh, it's awesome. so fun. And I think that I'm curious what you guys think. But in my opinion, I've always thought about, okay, what if I could just do that stuff all the time? What if I could just go climbing and snowboarding and running, whatever, and do all that stuff? And I actually think that I would be not very happy. I think that the running the business, the helping people, and then having the, the time and space to do those both things creates a much happier life than just one or the other. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, yeah I, I think there's yeah, definitely, I mean, you know, <laughs> Josh, I, I think there's definitely sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, diminishing returns from things you do too much. Um, 
I know every time I've gone on, you know, like a two week ski trip, I'm less stoked about snowboarding on the 13th day than I am on the second. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you just kind of, it, it's a matter of that balance, you know, even in a work hard, play hard lifestyle, there's gotta be some work. Um, and I think it just, you know, the one makes you appreciate the other because of its differentness. Um, and I, you know, I agree. I, I think if I could get to a point in my life where, you know, I was, I had seven really different, exciting things to do. I probably could alternate enough to, to enjoy them all constantly. And who's, who knows, maybe, and hopefully one day we'll get there with that much passive income that I spend my life discovering what else is going to be exciting and what else I'm going to like to do that day. Um, yeah. but I couldn't agree more. You know, I think there's in order for me to enjoy some of the, the more beneficial parts of that autonomy, I have to, I have to work hard and still kind of, you know, work up a little bit of the sweat before the relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I tend to think as well that the people who are successful in entrepreneurship are typically those who find enjoyment in, in the pursuit of, I think of it as the pursuit of greatness, right? It's like figuring out, maximizing your time in this life and pursue, you know, what you could be, not just about, hey, let's make this amount of money. Let's, you know, impact the world in this way, right? Just, hey, how do you maximize your time? Do you want to be looking back in 50 years and think, hey, I could have done more, I could have spent, you know, that's just not just in the business, right? Could I have done more in the business? Should I have gone on those happy hours? Should I have, you know, gone on that trip or those other things that would have been really great memories and things like that. And so I think it's just that, that balance of, of having it all right, maximizing who you are and, and what you can do with your time. And so for me, you know, I could, I resonate with that because, you know, I love snowboarding, hanging out like that. But if I knew in the back of my mind that I was, you know, not maximizing my life in other ways, you know, if I was still eating ramen noodles and canned beans, but I was snowboarding every day, it wouldn't feel as, feel as fulfilling. Um, because I would just know that I wasn't maxing out other areas of my life. Right. And so I, I, I totally agree with that. Cool. Awesome. Okay, guys. Well, um, so this is a question I've been asking since day one of the podcast. And uh, you, you may have already kind of talked about this. We've touched on quite a bit. But what is one thing that makes you feel fully alive? Josh? Oh, just out of anything? Mm -hmm. Out of anything. Work, whatever. Play. Um, I think, you know, dropping into a nice uh, tree run on a powder day. When, you know, it's soft enough that you can go as fast as possible, um, but deep enough that you actually have some snow to turn in. I think that that act of being so singularly focused on what you're doing and living in that exact moment where, you know, you have to hit your turns, otherwise you're going to hit a tree. Uh, and obviously when your entire livelihood is dependent on your ability to think and your ability to type, anything that risks a severe brain injury or hand injury is obviously uh, not something you take lightly. So I think, yeah, yeah I mean... If, if I were to pick a single moment for you where I feel most alive, I think it's probably in the middle of that, you know, steep and deep tree run um, mm. where you're just, you know, you're free from anything but the right now. I love it. How about for you, Nick? Yeah, I think that's a good example for sure. I think that similarly to the general idea, though, is, is definitely what I would agree with. Where I feel most alive is where I'm so in the moment that I'm only focused on that moment, right? And I think that especially as a lawyer, you can, you know, you could be thinking about a thousand things at once, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of what we do is deal with other people's problems. And so you're always thinking about your own problems plus all these other people's problems. And so your mind can be going, you know, constantly thinking about, oh, do I need to think about this, that, or the other thing, right? In those moments of singular focus, so snowboarding, or I mean, you know, sometimes just being with 
you know, people you care about, you know, your family or your close friends, or, you know, uh, even sometimes as simple as really helping somebody in business and, and being, you know, so focused on, Hey, I just need to help out with this. You know, this is a very important, you know, thing for, for my client and, and making sure that I'm helping them and, and, and protecting them and things like that. Those are all, you know, great things that just that clarity that you get from, Hey, I'm only focusing on this one thing, that tunnel vision, I think brings you a lot of peace for me. Another area I find that is, you know, working out, love to lift weights, um, and hit workouts. Cause for me, I put my headphones in and I zone in and, and I'm not thinking about anything else, right. It's just me and, 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 and the next 45 minutes to an hour of let's just lock in and get this done. Uh, you know, as well as, so we're involved in a, in a local charity that helps at-risk youth, um, we raise money for at-risk youth. And so that, that's another thing, right. Being, being in these moments where you're, where you're helping in that charitable way and you're knowing that, you know, that your impact is beyond just, you know, any financial or any kind of personal relations to know that, Hey, I'm, I'm helping out, you know, the next generation who, who didn't have it as good as I did. Uh, you know, those are all things that, that really represent that, that singular focus to me as well. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. It's like, it's really cool hearing you guys' story today and just hearing you talk about all these things because what I'm hearing is intentional creation of every aspect of your life and like wanting to have fun and wanting to give back and wanting to help and just like make a great life out of it. So thank you so much for sharing. It's been it's been really fun. Where can people find out more information about you? Absolutely. Yeah. So we are, our website is uh, troxelfitchlaw.com. And so that's going to be a great place if you're interested in learning more about what we do specifically in terms of legal work and things like that. We are on LinkedIn and, and Facebook as well. Um, you can stay up to date with us via social that way, as well as uh, we're, you know, we're on Twitter. Um, and, and we've been recently getting into Twitter. We're seeing that as a way to, to help kind of see, provide insights um, with what we kind of see and, and helpful tips and things like that. Um, it's a little bit more personal, whereas the LinkedIn and Facebook is, um, uh, you know, a little bit kind of broader strokes. But either way is, is great. We always welcome connecting with people and, and hearing about issues you face, ways that we can potentially help. So awesome. Okay, great. And then, oh, sorry, one, one oh, more quick thing. We are we yeah. were lucky enough to be featured as guest authors in a new book coming out called How to Be a Lawyer. Um, so especially for people who are considering a career in the law um, or just want more insight into what that would look like, we, we, we are able to give a more detailed uh, telling of our story um, in, uh, and, and that's available on Amazon. Okay, awesome. How to Be a Lawyer. Got it. Great. Okay. So what is one last piece of wisdom that you would give to another entrepreneur who, who is earlier along the journey than you are? I would say, um, go ahead, Nick. I would just say the biggest thing that I've noticed is that successful entrepreneurs are almost always the people who are the most, who have the most perseverance. It's, it's rarely about who has the, you know, Obviously, the, the elevator pitch, all these kind of things that you hear about from the beginning, very important things. But in my experience, it's the people who have, who, who just stick with it, who continue to every day put their best foot forward, who don't try to build Rome in a day, but, but know that, hey, if, if day by day, I, you know, I continue to build this foundation, then eventually, you know, things will start to come. Because I think that's something that a lot of people is, especially first-time business owners don't realize is, you know, it's going to take a couple of years, a few years of, of 
putting in good work day in, day out, being patient, but continuing to build that brings that success, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, stressing yourself out because you haven't made it in six months, a year, things like that. Um, you know, isn't the way you're going to get there now. Does that mean you're not, you shouldn't adapt to what you see? Yeah. I mean, you should absolutely be aware, right. See the things that work fine tune and adjust, but in my opinion, it's just about getting out there, fine tuning and adjusting and, and just staying in, just continuing to put your best foot forward day in, day out. And eventually um, you'll have success. Cool. Yeah, I, I agree completely with everything Nick said. Um, I think one of the things that I would also say is that, you know, when you think about the idea of starting a business in its totality, um, it is overwhelming and terrifying. And it, it always will be when you think about the just massive undertaking that it is in total. But when you break it down into its component parts, it is just a series of learnable steps and accomplishable goals. Um, it may be a very long series of them, and it may seem extremely daunting. But I think where we've noticed the people who have success and then people who are scared off by the challenge is that ability to kind of take this huge idea of starting a business and break it down into its component parts and just keep your head down and focus on the challenge of the day and overcoming that obstacle of the day. And if you do that enough days in a row, by the next time, you know, before you know it, you'll pick your head up and realize, you know, you're more than halfway to starting your own business, or you've already got one that you've started and is running successfully, and you're focusing on the next level of growth. But I think it can be so daunting and intimidating to look at it in, in its total, in totality. And I think uh, my advice to entrepreneurs would be break it down into its component parts and just take just take them out one, you know, one, one obstacle a day, one goal a day, and just keep grinding to Nick's point. Just keep going, have that perseverance to just keep going through it. And before you know it, you will have succeeded. Awesome. Love it. All right, Josh, Nick, you guys rock. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate being here. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you.